Good morning, believers. Man, my heart's so excited. Why? Because we've only got a few more weeks before we come back home on July the 5th. Everybody here that's recording tonight and making this possible, we're all happy. We cannot wait to come home. It feels good to be back on the carpet. It feels good to be back in the house. Man, Saturday night's 5.15. We're praying. Robin and I have so enjoyed just getting to hug necks and love each other. We had a great prayer night uh, last Saturday. Actually, we all laughed because I don't know how much praying we really did. We mainly were all just hugging necks and loving and catching up, but it has been good. So please come out 5.15 every Saturday through the month of June and then July 5. Come on, Independence Day weekend. We come home not just to celebrate the freedom of America, but the freedom of the church, man. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. And we have a great welcome home day for you. We've been working hard on something for you. It's kind of like my gift and Robin's gift back to this house for all that you've done, for all of your sewing, for all of your prayers. We really thank you. Uh, tonight, uh, as I'm here getting ready to share with you, man, my heart is full. I called Ryan this morning, sent him a text. I said, man, I believe God has given me a word. So we're going to do a left-hand turn, and I'm going to follow what I believe the Holy Spirit has been putting in my heart. Now, here's the reality of it as you're watching right now. My prayer is that it genders some really good, strong conversation. Uh, we're seeing things like uh, we need to educate ourselves. We need to talk this thing out. And, and by this, I mean just all that's going on in our world from COVID and the economy and the racism and the hate and the murder and the violence that's all you know propagated on the media. And, and I just want to talk about it. I want to address it tonight. And I hope as you're listening to it on Sunday morning, here's my prayer. I hope it opens up a world of conversation for you. Mom and dad, I hope that it causes you to sit down with your kids and have some serious conversation with what's going on in the world that we live in. Everybody that is a believer, I hope it causes you to look inward at yourself and have some conversations with you and God and then you and your friends. Then I want it to go into our B groups. We've launched B groups. And when our groups meet this week, and I'll share with you the passage of Scripture we're going to be reading, and I assure you that the passage we're reading this week is going to be eye-opening, and I know that it's going to gender a lot of questions. And we're going to be able to throw some things back and forward in dialogue in a Christian manner and really talk about some hard things that we need to talk about. So you're probably going to hear some difficult things today. I'm going to do my best to put it out there to you through the gospel. And I'm just going to be bold with it. I'm going to be bold to give you the word of God, let you sort it out, and to give it to you the best way that I've worked it out in my heart. Because as a shepherd over this house and over this community, I want to be bold with the kingdom, bold with the word, bold with the Holy Spirit. And, and I want to challenge you. Uh, I want to challenge you to look at yourself. I want to challenge you to look inward. That's what I've been doing this whole time is, man, I've been looking at me, my, my thinking, my beliefs, my emotions. Uh, uh, for those of you that do, uh, many of you follow me on social media, on the Bible Reading Project, Fellowship of Sons, or, or my own uh, Instagram account. And just this week, I just, man, I got really convicted in my soul of just allowing my brain and my emotions to just go down a, a way that I felt like was leading me away from what God was really calling me to do. And so I've just 
made a real heart plea to God to silence all of the chatter in my mind and in the realm of the demonic. I'm not talking about silencing the chatter of what's going on like I'm trying to ignore it, but in the demonic spirit realm, learning to tune in to what the Lord wants to say. So I've done that this week, uh, and, and I have tuned in to what I think the Lord wants to say to us. Uh, we are in the book of Peter, but man, I'm going to deviate. I'm going to take a right-hand turn, and I'm going to roll you through the Bible. So a lot of scriptures. I'm going to try to do it in a very time-sensitive manner for you. But if something pricks your heart while you're listening, I want you to write that down. I want you to talk to people about it. Call me. Get with a friend. Talk about it in your group. Uh, discuss it with someone. And, and let's have some good conversation around these things. And now a disclaimer. Uh, in all my years of preaching, I used to always think my message is going to change people. That's how I pastored for probably 20 years. I'm going to preach, my message will change hearts. And I realize that's just not my job. My job is not to change hearts. My job is just to give truth as I see it, and then I let the Holy Spirit do the rest. So I'm not asking you to, to see what I see tonight. I'm asking you to open your heart. I'm going to ask you to, uh, you know, some of the stuff may be in my opinion. I'm going to try to keep my opinion out of it and just give you the word of what the word says. But I want you to work it out. I want you to be wise. I want you to be like the Bereans. I want you to study it out for yourself and what you see the scripture says. And I want you to take your life and go, God, convict my heart. Now, let me tell you how I landed on what to teach tonight to us or, you know, for us today on Sunday. Uh, at the top of the year, I always just ask God to show me me and how I can connect better with God and be a better believer every year. So I do that every January, every December, January. I just say, God, man, if there are things in my life that are wrong, things I can correct, be better at, please show me and I'll work on it. And then I pray these prayers, Lord, if you're going somewhere prophetically and I'm not going, please reveal it to me. Let me see. Let me be wise with life. Let me always stay the kingdom keep my mind on the kingdom. So uh, at the top of the year, I felt pretty good about it. Like, oh, it's going to be a great year. I'm excited about it. We're back in a new building. Everything's moving forward. We're seeing the kingdom of God's advancing. I'm talking with people on the mission field. My, my friend Phil Phillips, who is God Loves Kids Foundation, man, God's blessing them. It's just seeing some good stuff. And then all of a sudden, here comes COVID. Bang, carpet ripped out from under us. Churches shut down. Well, when things like that happen, I always just... Before I, I find myself getting real emotional, fearful, and worried, I always just go to God and say, God, tell me what's going on. If you'll reveal it to your prophets, reveal it to me. If, if no man knows the mind of God but the Spirit of God, and I have the Spirit of God, then I can know the mind of God through the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, reveal to me your mind. You said I could have the mind of Christ. Give it to me. So those have been my prayers through the COVID, and I'm, you know, Really looking, as I said, probably three weeks in a row, I've really been looking at the weak areas of my life and then trying to apply the weakness of my life and moving in with the wisdom of God because every crisis reveals your weakness and every crisis reveals the wisdom of God. And then uh, comes the death of George Floyd, the murder, not death, the murder of George Floyd and Ahmed Aubrey. And uh, man, it's just all of a sudden, it was a an explosion of... Uh, of racial tension and anger and hurt and frustration and confusion. So I began to just ask God, like, what's going on in the, in the world around me? Not, not just in reality. I mean, I can watch TV and know what's going on. I can, I can watch the news and know. But from a kingdom perspective, God, what is going on? I want to be involved in that. I don't want to be deceived. I don't want to miss it. 
I want, I want, I want to look at my world. I want to look at what's going on. And I want, I want to see how you want to move your kingdom forward. And that's what I want to do this morning. Grab your Bible, open it up to Ephesians chapter 5. That's where we're going to start. And now we're going to run all over in the Word of God because I really feel the Lord has put something on my heart to address. Ephesians chapter 5, I'm in the New International Version. I've picked that version up here lately, and so I'm going to be reading from it. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11. Listen to it, man. It's powerful. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It, it, it's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And that's what I want to do this morning. I want to wake us up to the light of what's going on and expose from a kingdom perspective what I think is happening. Uh, from what I see scripturally happening, and I want to shed light on that, and I want to do what the Bible says. I want to expose the unfruitful works of darkness, and I want to address it head on biblically that I hope will challenge you as a believer to repent if you need to repent and to begin to take action if you need to take action and do what you need to do. So that's where we're going. And my first thing is just to say, man, I pray this wakes you up. I pray that it shakes you awake. And, and I'm not talking about awake to what's going on. So I'm not talking about this new phrase in our generation, woke. I'm not even going to your woke because I'm not talking about what's happening on a natural realm of being woke. Woke to the red pill versus the blue pill. I'm not talking about that kind of woke. I'm talking about wake up spiritually to what's going on in the kingdom so you're not caught unaware and you get dragged into something that's not even kingdom because you get so caught up in the natural realm, you miss it. There is a dark realm that needs exposing and man, that's what I want to do, is I want to talk to you for that. Let's jump into it. First Timothy chapter 4. Here's where we're going to kick off. And I pray that, man, it just, it opens your heart. And while you're turning to First Timothy chapter 4, this is going to be our Bible reading for all week. So this chapter, Timothy 4, we're going to deviate from Peter. We're going to pick this chapter up so our groups will be talking about it. Mom and dad, my prayer is every day, this week, Monday through Saturday, that you sit down with your kids, you pony up to the plate, you wake up as a mother and a father, you sit your children down, and you say, we're going to read this passage of Scripture every day, morning or night, whenever you want to do it, and you really take it seriously, because I believe what God has put on my heart is serious. If you don't have children and you're single, I pray you wake up every day and read it and say, God, man, I want you to speak to me, show me me in this passage of Scripture so that I'm not caught unaware, and I do. I pray that in our groups, I pray that this passage of Scripture opens your heart and your mind in a profound way to what's going on underneath what we see in the natural. I pray it opens your heart to see below the surface into the demonic things that are going on. Let's jump in. 1 Peter 4, verse 1. The Spirit clearly says that in the latter times, some will abandon the faith. So in other words, there's coming a season where people will just leave faith. 
Like, yeah, peace out, God, man, Bible, sorry, prayer, sorry. It ain't about faith anymore. It's about me. So there is coming a time prophetically where even believing Christians will begin to just abandon faith. In other words, I'm going to push faith aside. I'm going to chase me. I'm going to chase my desires. And so we just have to be careful that we're in a battle for your faith. Uh, man, man, the devil's fighting strong for your faith. God's fighting. Even Jesus will tell Peter this. He said, man, the devil desired to sift you, Peter, but I prayed for you. And so I want you to see it that powerful that the enemy is trying to rob your faith, but the intercessor Jesus Christ is praying for your faith. Listen to how it goes on. He says they'll abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits, things taught by demons. And this is what I want to land on tonight. I want to hold this out to you, I guess if this is the title. I've titled it in a note that I wrote down, The Curriculum of Demons. Uh, for those of you who don't, don't know, I have a, a graduate degree in education, and I understand the power of curriculum because curriculum tells you what you want to achieve as you begin to download information to people. And this passage of Scripture, and, and it blew me away on my prayer walk this week. I was just praying, and I'm walking, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for the situation in the world around me, I'm praying for my community, and I was like, God, man, what's going on? And this Scripture just, boom, popped in my heart. And so I got my phone out and I, I scrolled to it and I read it and I saw that thing that they will be believing things taught by demons. And I started immediately texting some friends, some people that I really respect, man, who keep me accountable to the things of God, making phone calls like, have you ever thought about this? That they're literally demonic demons that teach things to human beings. Like they literally have a curriculum of what they're going to teach to us as humans. Listen to what it says. These teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. In other words, if you're not careful, you will start believing teachings of the demonic realm that will be downloaded into your life and it will feel real. That's what it means. It comes through a hypocritical lie. The hypocritical lie would translate like this. It's information that comes to you that seemingly is real, but it's not real, but it causes your conscience to become hardened. And when, when we say you have a seared conscience, it means this. You become so emotionally attached to it that God can't break through anymore. You become so emotionally attached to the curriculum that's being taught you that you cannot even hear what the Spirit is saying. And that's when I started checking myself. Oh, God, man, don't let me get so caught up in, in my earthly world that my conscience becomes seared to what you want to say. So then I just begin praying every day. Okay, God, what do you want to say? What are you trying to say to me? I'm not even praying for us as a church. I'm just, man, I'm, God, what do you want to say to me? I want to guard me. I don't want to be one of these that get deceived. I don't want to be one of these that starts following a, a, a curriculum of a demon. I want to follow you, Jesus. I want you to speak to me. And that's when it rose up. And that's when I felt like, man, I want to share with you what God downloaded to me about the curriculum of demons being taught today to our generation. 
It's being taught through the news. It's being taught through music. It's being taught through media. It's being taught through all of our social media outlets. It's being taught through Hollywood. It's being taught in our public school systems, our education systems, the doctrine of devils. And the reality of it is it comes through hypocritical lies. And I even said something to somebody the other day. I said, man, I don't even know what's true anymore. Like I listen to this and go, oh, man, that's good. And then all of a sudden I listen to this and go, well, that's good too. But the reality of both that's good, they're 180 degrees different than each other. And this one's going, oh, this is the information and what it's saying. Oh, no, this is the reality and what it's saying. Oh, we have experiences in data over here. Oh, no, we have experiences in data. Everybody's throwing rocks, hurling bombs, blowing things up on, on who's really right. And I'm in the middle going, oh, God, what do I believe? Where am I? And, and if we're not careful, we end up getting sucked into the doctrine of devils that begin to teach us things. That, and here's the reality. It sears our conscience. That doesn't sound too you know, deadly right now. But until you understand when the Holy Spirit starts trying to wake me up, I won't wake up. When God starts trying to say, but here's what the Scripture says, I won't wake up because my conscience is seared. I'm all about Mark now. I'm not about the Word anymore. I'm not about the kingdom anymore. I'm not about the gospel. I'm about me, man. I'm about my feelings, God, my hurt, Lord. And man, I take it and then my conscience becomes seared and I don't even want to listen. It's like in a marriage, you get bitter and you never deal with the bitterness and the bitterness just keeps growing and growing to the point you just become seared and you're conscious so that even when somebody tries to help you, it's too late. You, you, you don't even hear it. And I think that's where Christianity has come. I think we've come to a place to where we've traded what the gospel says for the curriculum of demons We've traded what Jesus is trying to say to us as his church, but we've listened to the curriculum of demons for so long in music, in television, in media, uh, through, through mainstream media, our favorite outlet, Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, all of our social media now, all the, the stories I follow, the things that I listen to, before long, my conscience is just seared. Man, I'm so, I'm so emotionally charged now, I don't even hear what the Holy Spirit's trying to say. And that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about what is this curriculum. And I pray as we go through it over the next several minutes that it wakes you up to the problem that's at hand is that we're in a prophetic time where there is a teaching of the demonic realm that is propagating itself in every media outlet around us to destroy us, to annihilate us, make us hate each other, make us hardened to what God says, and, and it's going to kill us. I said this to a friend today. I said, I believe we're living in a time right now where if we're not careful as Christians, we're going to lose a kingdom battle. We're going to get so emotionally charged up. We're going to leave the word behind. We're going to leave what the Spirit wants to do. And we're going to get so charged emotionally that we're going to lose the warfare. And the kingdom is going to begin to decline because God's people have gotten deceived. God's people have gotten pulled away from kingdom matters and I want to discuss it. Let's look at number one. So what I'm going to do is give you about five things of what is the curriculum. And, and I want you to talk about them. You know, one of them will stick out to you, I'm sure. Let's go to the first one. It's in Genesis chapter 3. And since it's the curriculum of demons and Lucifer is the father of all the demonic realm, I just want to go through the scripture and pick up every time Lucifer finds himself coming through himself spiritually or through other people 
and I want to pick them up. Here's, here's curriculum plan number one, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat from any tree in the garden? Here's the first order of Lucifer's demonic curriculum. It will attack the wisdom of God. And what it will do when it attacks the wisdom of God, because we're humans, it will move us away from wisdom of Him, and it will move me into reason and logic of self. That's the first warfare that ever happened to man. And the weird thing, it was over a piece of fruit. I mean, there's no in-laws yet. There, there's no debt yet. There's no, you're going to lose your house. There's no other woman. There's no meth addicts. There's no drug addicts over a piece of fruit. The first curriculum of the demonic teaching entered into the hearts of humanity with this one thought. Did God really say that? In other words, the evil demonic curriculum wants you to begin to question the wisdom of God. It wants you to question, can I even trust God? It wants you to, to question, are God's ways really the right way? It wants to make you question, does God even care about you? Does He even listen to you? Does He even care about humanity? Well, if He does, then why? And where is God? And if He's so good, why the bad? And you see, the, the very first slate on the curriculum of demonic education is to attack the wisdom of God. I just want to ask you, do you trust his wisdom? Do you trust what he tells you? Or are you more inclined to say, you know, I'm getting kind of hard to that, and it's more about my, my, my feelings and reasoning now. It's not really about what God said. It's about how I feel. Because that's what Eve did. Well, God told me not to eat it, but hey, I, it looks good. It, it's pleasing to me. And so in the very first piece of demonic curriculum, we see the attack of where human hearts begin to become seared because I begin to glorify feelings and desires and my own logic above His wisdom. So I ask you, are you doing that? Are you letting your emotions override His wisdom? Are you letting your feelings override His wisdom? Are you kind of going, yeah, I know God says that, but... And that was curriculum number one. There's an attack on the wisdom of God and causing you to become hardened so that you trust your own logic, your own reasoning, and your own feelings. Matthew chapter 4, curriculum number 2. What is he trying to do? We have Lucifer, the devil, showing up again in the gospel of Matthew chapter 4. And this time, instead of coming, the curriculum coming to the creation, Adam and Eve, now the curriculum is going to try to enter in through Jesus, who is the father and the head of the new creation. So he's kind of brilliant. Everything God tries to do, Lucifer is going to insert his curriculum of demonic thinking in every realm. So God creates Adam and Eve. I'm going to insert my demonic curriculum. Why? I want to sear the conscience. Why? Because if I can get the conscience... I can stop people from being able to follow and hear God. Insert Jesus, the Son of God. He's starting His ministry out. He's the head of the new creation. What does Lucifer do? He's going to slide into the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4 
And he's going to begin to attack something else. Let's see what he's going to attack. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit, verse 1, Matthew 4, to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell the stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus does something strange for us because Jesus is going to show us how to deal with the curriculum of the demonic realm because it comes again to grab our feelings. It comes again to grab our emotions. It comes again to get us into a logic. Surely you must be hungry, Jesus. I mean, it's been 40 days. You've got to be hungry. Check your belly. Check how you feel. You're probably famished. You've been out here a long time. Where's God when you really need Him? Where is your Father? Hey, if you really are the Son, well, why don't you try these things? Work your magic a little bit. You see, the enemy's trying his curriculum again. He's trying to attack the wisdom of God. You say, how so? Because Christ is the wisdom of God. So he's coming again at the wisdom of God. Trust your logic. Trust your feelings. Trust your belly. Trust everything around you. Look at the circumstances. You're alone. Look at the reality. The reality is God's abandoned you. The reality is you're in a wilderness. There's no followers. There's nobody here. The reality is, and then Jesus shows us how to begin to deal with it. And this is the second form of the curriculum. This might sting a bit. It's an attack on the Word of God. It is attack on it is written. I shared this with Robin a few days ago. I said, man, it's, just, it's becoming frustrating as a shepherd in this generation, you know, uh, I, because I, I'm seeing that many people who, who are believers, who love Jesus, have defamed the written Word of God and have moved more toward my feelings, my experiences, and my logic. And then when you say, but the Bible says, it really doesn't matter. Their conscience is already seared. The Bible is just a devotional book. The Bible is just about history. It's not really the wisdom of God. It's just historical. It's for my devotion time. I'll fit it in if I can. And then we read things in the Bible and we're like, well, I don't know if it's really true. There's a lot of error in there. There's a lot of things that I don't really know. And so there's an all-out attack, the curriculum of the demonic attacking the wisdom of God, and then again in Matthew 4 to attack the Word of God. I ask you, do you really believe there's power when you say it is written? Do you really believe that? Because it doesn't always feel like that. It, it, sometimes it feels like, I don't want to, I haven't even had people say, oh, don't just give me a scripture. I don't, I, don't, I don't need another Bible scripture. I don't need you to just throw the Bible at me. And I'm like, dude, I'm really not trying to throw the Bible at you. I'm really not trying to say I don't understand. I'm really not trying to be an arrogant preacher to just throw a scripture and go, go deal with it. But I am trying to say, how, how foolish are we as God's people to act like that the Word of God doesn't hold power. How else are we going to defeat the demonic if we don't say it is written? Jesus Himself needed that. The Bible will tell us, Paul will write it this way, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. It's amazing to me how many people will claim, oh, I'm filled with God's Spirit. I had such a wonderful experience. That song really touched me. I cried. I just felt so close to God. And I'm like, look, I'm glad you had that emotional experience. I'm glad the Holy Ghost showed up in your bedroom and got you giddy. But do you understand that the warfare of the Spirit is the Word is His sword. And you have to hold on to the Word of God. And there is an all-out attack today on Christians 
and the boldness to say, by God, it's written. And do it in a bold way. It may hurt your feelings. Why? Because it's a double-edged sword. It may hurt your feelings. Why? Because it's the truth. My feelings aren't the truth. That's what I try to do every single day. As I, as, I, as I read the word, I'm like, God, speak to me. And if there's something wrong in me, show it to me. Because I don't want to do what James chapter 1, I think verse 22. I don't want to do what James did. I don't want to open my Bible and read it and then forget what kind of man I am. I don't want to get so caught up in my reason and logic that I forget to look into the mirror of the word and go, God, man, show me me. Show me what's wrong with me, God. Show me how I can make a difference on my planet for your kingdom. That's the second attack. It's an attack on the wisdom of God to get you to trust logic, to get you to trust reasoning. There's attack on the word of God to get you to trust your feelings, to get you to trust your environment, to get you to trust your reality, right? My reality. I'm in the middle of a desert. Where's God? I'm by myself. I'm hungry. Did you see... If we're not careful as Christian believers, my reality will sear my conscience. We'll say things like, you just don't understand. You don't live in the house I live in. You don't understand. You weren't abused. You don't understand. You didn't get cheated on. You don't understand. I'm like, oh, I know. I mean, I, I know I don't understand all those things. I could easily say, you don't understand. Your wife didn't get killed by a drunk driver. And we could yeah, yeah, back and forth. But ultimately as believers, don't we all agree if we're really Christian believers that it's not a cop-out to say, but the Bible says. That's not a cop-out. And that's not a rude response. It is the right response. The Bible says. And, and, and I, can, I do know that sometimes we can present that in a rude manner. We can present that in an arrogant manner. Kind of like, I don't care. The Bible says. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about being a jerk. I'm not talking about slinging the sword so that you're cutting people's ears off with it, but I'm talking about using the word wisely. The third thing is in John chapter 4. As you're turning there, I'm going to go ahead and forewarn you. This is probably what's going to cause the most discussion in our groups, and it'll probably be what may cause a lot of, uh, you know, I hope, meaningful discussion. Because the third attack that's going on is in John chapter 4, you know, time doesn't permit me to read the whole chapter, but this is what the chapter is about. Jesus is making his way on a journey, and he says to his fellows, his disciples, hey man, I want to go through Samaria. Now what you have to know about the Samaritans is Jews and Samaritans hated each other. Uh, They were considered half-breeds, low-life. The Jews looked way down on the Samaritans. They were half-breed people. We don't go through them. Matter of fact, we would rather go 10 miles around town than to go through the middle of the town. And Jesus in his beauty says, No, fellas, uh, I'm going through Samaria. And Jesus takes on a huge racial moment. And Jesus begins to go into Samaria. His disciples realize he's hungry. And so they go into the town. They go, look, dude, we're going to get some food. We're going to get some water. We'll be back later. We'll check you out. You stay here at the well. Uh, We'll check you out. You're tired. We got your back, Jesus. And so his fellows go into town to buy it. And in the moment, hopefully you know the story. If not, man, sit down and read it with your kids. Read it over and over. It's a beautiful story. And and I'm going to show you how the devils use it as a curriculum of the demonic. But right here we have the truth of the kingdom. So Jesus goes, he sits down at the well, a woman from Samaria walks up, and they begin to have a conversation. 
I love what she says. If you want to look at it in verse 9, it says, The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? I love this phrase, man. I don't know in every Bible what it says, but in the NIV it says, For Jews don't associate with Samaritans. In other words, now we're going to understand that there is a demonic curriculum that will always try to cause a warfare between races. Always. That's the demonic curriculum. I know you're probably watching television, you're seeing all the warfare and we're justifying it. Well, this cop murdered this guy. There's justification. There's justification to protest. There's justification to stand up and go, that's wrong. I mean, it's justified. It's America. We can protest. We can do it. We can go out in the street and and begin to let our voices be heard. But I do want you to understand something about a race war. It's not Democrats versus Republicans. It's not the left versus the right. It's not the white versus the black. It's not racial and cultural wars. It's not a bunch of Antifa uh, crazy people. It's not a bunch of all this stuff that we hear the narrative that's fed to us every single day. I want you to understand from this passage of Scripture that it is a demonic curriculum that comes to try to cause cultural warfare. It's from the pit of ever-living hell. And Jesus is going to address it because the Samaritan woman will say to him, hey man, we don't have anything to do with each other. What are you doing here? And they start this wonderful conversation. And in the wonderful conversation, man, Jesus gives her the gospel. He says, I am the living water. It's me. I am the Son of God. I am the one you worship. It's me. The Messiah is here. I'm here right now. Can you imagine that conversation? A Jew and a Samaritan. Never to talk. Never to go. Why? Because that's the demonic curriculum of the devil. You stay there. I stay here. And we're going to ever let, let our minds and mentalities cause us to yeah, yeah, back and forth. And Jesus breaks it down to show us that the curriculum of God is to bring the gospel into the middle of the demonic curriculum of cultural warfare and racial warfare. There is a racial warfare going on right now in our country and us as believers have to stand up and say, no, it's nothing more than a demonic stronghold of the devil introducing his evil curriculum into our planet to make us hate one another and war with each other. And I got to be bold and say, man, I'm going to get in the middle love it and give the gospel. But listen to what the disciples come back because I think this is where a lot of people land. They don't land with Jesus. They land with the disciples because when the disciples come back in verse 27, they were, they were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one dared ask, what do you want and why are you talking with her? You see, most people don't want to get involved with racial warfare. We want to ignore it. We want to go around town. I want to skip the anxiety. I don't want to have a hard conversation. I don't want to get in the middle of that. I'm not going to say anything. Are you going to say anything to him? I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to upset him. I don't know why he's talking with that chick, but I don't want to get in the middle of it. Let's just ignore it. And then they do what every typical believer can do that doesn't understand the power of this demonic curriculum is they just make it about, well, maybe he needs something to eat. Let's let's feed him. And Jesus is like, dude, I'm not here for food and water. I'm here to do the gospel. You can read it. It's verse 34. I've come to do the gospel. I'm not here for food. You thought this was about food? You thought this was about water? No, 
I came through the middle of town to talk with this woman because you guys have the mentality that these races are separate and I've come to bring the gospel of life because you've believed the narrative of a demonic curriculum that says Samaritans stay over there and Jews stay over there and by God, we're never going to talk about it. If we do, we're going to fight about it. And I'm just going to let you know, in the kingdom of God, there's coming an angst, there's coming a hurt, there's coming a bitterness. Christians are getting bitter with each other. I'm not talking about getting bitter at race wars. They're getting bitter with each other, mad at each other. Why? Because a lot of us have the disciple mentality. I just want to talk about it. I'm not getting involved. I'm not going to say anything. Or if we do say something, we get offended. If we do say something, we get our feelings hurt. And what we have to know in the middle of this demonic curriculum, are you going to be bold enough to say, yes, uh, this is my race, this is my color, but beyond that, I'm going to have to get in the middle of it and offer the gospel. I'm going to have to get in the middle of it and go, look, I'm glad you're hurt, you're hurt, I'm glad we're all hurt, and, and, I, and I, want to, I want to stand up for the injustice, but when I stand up and I'm bold and I'm out there and I'm protesting, I've got to do it by moving the gospel forward, not just moving me forward. And that's what Jesus did. My daughter uh, was in high school. And in high school, when she went in the ninth grade, you know, she just typical high school stuff. But she, she met a black boy that became her boyfriend. And they came home together. And, and I've always taught my children, I don't care what color comes in the door with you. I, I could care less. I don't, I don't care what kind of color they are, how dark, how light they are. I just want them born again, and I want them spirit-filled. I want them to be able to be the priest of your home, and I want them to be able to lead you to God. That's the way I've raised my girls. I'm not looking at color. So in the 10th grade, she met a boy that, you know, she kind of fell in love with, a high school romance. And I just want to say to all uh, my white folk listening, I just want to tell you that there is an evil of curriculum of hate from one race to another. My daughter would come home and she would tell me the things that white people would say to her. I don't even want to repeat it. The vile that would come out of their mouth, using the N-word against her, even things more derogatory than that, of the calling her names when she would walk down the hallway because she has a boyfriend who's black. I watched other Christians who looked at her in a funny way, some even in our church right here, who looked at her in a funny way when she sat with a black boy and they had, he had his arm around her. I even heard from both sides of the fence on the thing. Oh, yeah, I guess she, she dates a black boy. I, I, I heard, oh my God, she's going to stop the black race. She's going to have mixed kids. She's going to cause the black race to cease because a black boy and a white girl have come together. And I heard that for two years. I heard the racist remarks, the N-words, my daughter coming home, telling me what people would say in the hall. That young man that she was liking became part of our family, birthdays, Christmases, I mean, man, stay at our house, watch movies with us, go out to dinner with us, come to church with us. And the whole two years of just the hate, the vile, coming from people who profess to be Christians, coming from people who say they love God, coming from people who say they read the Bible. I'm going, what in God's name is the hell we're living in? And that was just two years. So I want to say something to the whites that are listening. So how do you think the black race feels when it's every day, not just two years, every day. 
Someone in the church called me and said, every time my kid walks down the high school hallway, they have to go down the other hall because if they walk down this hall, they hear racial slurs all the time. They hear, they hear derogatory stuff. How do you think they feel? How do, you, how do you think our young people feel when we as believers look down our nose because a, a young black girl brought a white boy home or a young white girl brought a black boy home and then we're like, oh, we believe in Jesus. Oh, I believe in Jesus until now because I don't know, this has kind of got my feathers ruffled. And I just want to say that this racial war we're in is nothing more than a demonic curriculum. And so just put yourself for a moment in, in, in a in the skin of a black person who has to hear it all the time, especially in the South. I don't know about everywhere else, but I grew up in Alabama and Georgia all the time, even from Christians, even from Christians. We have things in our house. We have demonic things in our house, and we make crass jokes that are demonic. I know you may just say, oh, it's just a joke, but I'm telling you, if it comes against another race, it's the demonic curriculum. It, it, It does nothing but harden our hearts toward one another. All in the church. So I wrote this down, number three. There's an attack on the gospel of God because we've made it more about race than the gospel. We've made it more about race than the gospel. You see, the disciples made it about race. Jesus made it about the gospel. The disciples, I can't believe you're going through Samaria, man. Well, I've got a gospel thing I need to accomplish. I can't believe you're talking with a Samaritan woman. Samaritan, I can't believe you're talking to me. And Jesus is like, yeah, I know, because this demonic curriculum has gotten into our culture and we're staying apart, but I've come to break the demonic curriculum to say I am the Son of God. I've come to be the answer. I've come to let you know I am the Son that bridges the two together, that brings racial harmony. So I just want to say this to all of us, regardless of what color we are. I want to say this, as a believer, if you confess to be a believer, we have a responsibility to stop the demonic curriculum of racial warfare and put the gospel right in the middle of it that Jesus is the only way we will ever have peace. So if you're going to go protest, I encourage you to do so. It's America. If you want to raise your voice, if you want to get in the streets, if you want to shout, if you want to get involved, I encourage you to do so. But when you do so, don't let race be the prevailing reason. Let it be the kingdom. Let it be the gospel. Man, promote the gospel of Jesus. It's the only thing that's going to help us. It's the only thing that's going to fix it. Number four, Turn to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Two more attacks of demonic curriculum that are going on. And this is pretty profound because Jesus is saying, look, fellas, I got something I got to do. I got to die for you. I got to go to the cross for you. Matthew chapter 16, verse 22. I just love Peter. Here he is again. Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. That ought to make you just stop for a minute, sip your coffee, and ponder. That a disciple has the guts to rebuke the Son of God. And sometimes I think that's how we humans are. I mean, we get born again. Man, we love God. We're kind of familiar with Him now. Me and God, I've been saved 15 years. A lot of hell going on in my life, but I don't care. He puts up with me. I put up with Him. Matter of fact, I want to rebuke God right now. I think that's kind of the way Peter was. Hey, we fished a little bit together. Uh, We've kind of buddied up. I'm sort of the inner three now. I think I'll just rebuke him. So Peter rebukes him and says to Jesus, Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. In other words, I I don't 
I'm not going to let you go get crucified. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. I wrote this down for number four. There's an attack on the concerns of God. And it's a generation that's all about me. It's not about the will of God. It's about me. Me, my feelings, my hurt, my purpose, my destiny, my future. God exists for me. God's power is for me. God's purpose is for me. God's power is for my concerns and what concerns me. And Jesus says, look, Peter, man, I love that. I love the fact that you're so passionate. I love the fact that you've just rebuked me, but I just want you to know you're listening to demonic curriculum because you don't understand, Peter. You've let your concerns override God's concerns. And I see a lot of that now on social media. I see a lot of that happening. I told Robin the other day, I said, man, I have to be careful because in the middle of this, I find myself getting pulled in to where it's more about my concerns than God's concerns. I start representing me more than representing God. I start typing something out thinking, oh God, that's Mark. I need to just delete that and move on because that's my concerns. And here's the strange thing, that stings because it sounds like I'm saying, I don't even care. It sounds like if I'm saying that, you're like, oh, you don't even care about me. You don't care about what concerns me. You don't care that I'm hurting. You don't care that I'm being abandoned. You don't care. You, and I'm like, it's not that. It's not, I'm not saying I don't care. I mean, who wouldn't care? It's the gospel to care for one another, to bear one another burden, to cry together. But let's just be honest with each other. If we're not mature, we will cry together so long that we make you and your problem the God rather than his concerns. My concerns become my God. I want you to have pity for me, cry for me, weep with me, have tears for me, feel sorry for me, pout with me, uh, pamper me, make me feel good. And we're like, okay, dude, I can do that. Hopefully you would do it for me too. Like, Hopefully we'll hug each other and walk with each other and cry with each other and hold each other. But there does come a time in all of that human emotion of supporting one another that somebody has to raise a hand and go, okay, are we getting too much concerned about us? and less concerned about what concerns God? Like if you're watching the news and the media, and maybe maybe you need to do that. Maybe you need to sit down with your kids and just, you know, get a good perspective. Grab a bunch of different perspectives off of the news. And then just sit down as you watch that. As you watch, I don't know what you would choose to watch. Maybe the rioting and the looting. Maybe the protests. Maybe the good news, bad news. I don't know, but whatever. And could you have a conversation to ask this question? Is what we're seeing more human concern or God concern? That would be a great question to start the conversation. Is what we're seeing right now in front of us, is it a demonic teaching that has got me more concerned about me or has me more concerned about what God is trying to do? Because I'm going to tell you something, in the middle of this hell, God is trying to do something. In the middle of the, the stuff that's going on around us, God's like, hey, has anybody forgot about me here? Has anybody forgot about my kingdom? Are you so involved in you and your kingdom? God's got his hand up. Did you forget about me? 
Did you forget there's a gospel? Did you forget there's a savior? Did you forget there's hope? Did you forget there's peace, there's healing, there's reconciliation? Because I, I feel like you may have gotten so concerned with you, you forgot about my concerns. And my concerns is that not any would die. My concerns is that not anybody would go to hell. My concerns is that everybody would repent and people would find healing and peace and deliverance and hope and freedom. And I often wonder, are we really propagating that? Are we really pushing that agenda forward, the concerns of God? And again, I mean, please hear it. I'm not asking you to deny people hurting. I'm not saying don't cry with people who cry, hurt with people who hurt. That's the gospel. But after we've done that, we could say anybody could do that. You don't even have to know God to cry with somebody, to be nice to somebody, to hug somebody, to love somebody. But if God is in the equation, we all have to say, okay, man, let's get God's concern here. What is the Lord after in this hurt? What is the Lord after in this thing? And then the final one is this. It's in Matthew chapter 26. There's an attack on the warfare of God. And by that, I mean, I really see a lot of Christians who are just asleep. It goes back to Ephesians 5. Wake up. Man, wake up. We're in the middle of a spiritual battle. Please wake up. It's not just a natural war. It's not just a racial war. It's not just a cultural war. It's not just Democrats and Republicans fighting. It's not just the left versus the right. It's not just about free speech or the second right or gun control. It's a spiritual war. A kingdom that literally hates the other kingdom. A kingdom that is spreading its hypocritical lies and searing the consciousness of people because it so hates the kingdom of God. So hates the kingdom of God. I'm going to do everything I can to destroy it. Matthew 26 is the final attack of Lucifer's curriculum. And it's an attack on the warfare. And by that I mean this. It is the story. I'll let you read it. It is the story of the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is just one evening away from being crucified. And he finds himself in his darkest hour. And he says to his disciples, this is what he says in, in verse 38. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell his face to the ground and prayed, My father... If it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter? Watch and pray so that you'll not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more, and he prayed the third time, saying the same thing. And he returned to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. I want to end with this thought. I believe there's an all-out demonic attack of the devil's curriculum to silence warfare, and to put us asleep. We, we just don't see power in prayer and intercession anymore. I shared with some friends of mine, I said, man, I'm coming off social media for a month. 
I'm not posting anything on there. I'm done. And it's not because I don't care. It's because I'm, I'm deciding to leave the digital world, the onslaught of demonic curriculum that hits my ears every day, the pictures, the hate, the looting. And you may say to me, well, don't you care? You should get involved. You should repost. You should hashtag. I'm like, okay, I don't have a problem with that. Go for it. But for me, I'm pulling back. I'm saying, God, I don't want my conscience seared. I don't want to miss this war. I don't want to be led astray and abandon my faith and get into my emotions. I see the attack of me to go to reason and logic versus the kingdom of your wisdom. I see the attack that is coming against me to get into what Mark thinks versus what the Word says. I see the attack coming on me, God, to get me into a place to where I forget it's about the gospel and I think it's about me and my opinions and my emotion. I start making it about racial and cultural wars and political wars and economic wars and I forget it's a kingdom war and then I find myself pulling back going God I better be careful because it's now it's more about my concerns than your concerns and what are people going to think and did I say the right thing the wrong thing oh my God and I found myself there in the last two weeks and as I was praying about what to do this final passage of scripture came and I heard the Lord say Mark be careful Because if you're not careful, your conscience is going to be so seared that you'll be sleeping when you need to be awake. You spiritually will be asleep when you need to wake up. I want to say this to everyone who calls this place home. I want you to hear me as good as you can hear me. I'm not trying to deny what's happening. I'm not trying to deny the hate, the anger, the murder, the violence. I'm not trying to deny that there's not a racial war, a culture war, an economic war, a political war, a humanist war. It's there. I see it plainly. It's right before my eyes, and I'm doing my best to fight against it. I'm doing my best to stand up and bring the gospel and tell people about Jesus and confront the evil and the hate and the hurt and to be vocal about it inside my 50 feet to do more than just something digitally. So I pulled away and said, man, digitally, I'm going to do something real. I'm going to get involved with reality, not just some digital share a picture, share a story, hope to wake you up and hashtag woke or hashtag whatever. God, I want you to wake me up to you, and this is what I woke up to personally. Mark, if you're not careful, you're going to be asleep. You're going to forget there's a war spiritually. And when you need to be praying and you need to be doing warfare, You're going to be sound asleep because it's going to be all about you, your agendas, your feelings, your emotions, your anxiety, your frustrations, your bitterness. Wake up, Mark. And I want to tell you that this morning. I don't know where you are in the scope. I'm not even asking you to believe like me. I'm just simply asking you, would you maybe go back and listen to this message again and again? And every time you listen to it, Father, speak to me. Is there an area of my life that's wrong? If you're, if you're from a white nationality, would you listen to it again and ask God, are you asleep? Are you hardened? Is your conscience hardened? Are, 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 you, are you part of the racial problem? Do you still have all of these things in your heart? Do you need to repent? Or whatever culture, whatever ethnicity, would you listen to it and say, yes, I need to be more about the kingdom, more about his wisdom, more about his word, more about his ways, more about his concerns, more about warfare, and to get involved with prayer rather than just posting things. Would you, would you pray more than you would post? 
Would you, would you read the word more than you would post? Would you be vocal with Jesus like Jesus? Would you go out into your community? Would you break down racial walls and say, man, I want to be a voice of reconciliation? Would you do what Jesus did? Not just go around it, not just ignore it, not just act like it doesn't exist. Would you get in the middle of it like Jesus with a Samaritan woman and go, dude, I got the answer. I have the hope. I used to be this way, but I'm not. I'm born again now. I'm different now. Or are we going to just all be part of the problem with, with calling ourselves Christians, but our conscience is seared? Calling ourselves Christians, but logic is overrode wisdom. Calling ourselves Christians, but my feelings overrode the word. Calling myself a Christian, but I'm really asleep. I'm not awake. I'm not fighting a spiritual battle. I'm fighting an emotional battle. And I felt like that's the word of the Lord to us. So if you got to listen to this three or four times, do so. If it stings, let it sting and ask God, why did that sting? Do I need to change? Do I need to repent? Do I need to get involved? Are there areas in my life where this demonic curriculum has infested me so much that I become callous and seared in my conscience? And I leave that with you. And then I want to ask this. I would never demand it of anybody, but I surely think as a shepherd of this house, it's a good piece of nugget of wisdom. And this is not from the Lord, it's just me. I would just encourage you to unplug from the curriculum. Unplug from all the stuff that's stirring you up. Unplug from it. And then pull away and say, God, how can I get involved? How can I make a difference? I'm not talking about on social media. I'm talking about unplugging from all of that. And I'm asking you in a real way, what person could you talk to? What could you do inside your 50 feet to move the gospel forward? What conversation do you need to have in our B group? Can you raise your hand and be bold? Can you raise your hand and say, well, I, I feel like that. I feel like I'm constantly in a warfare at my race. Can you open your mouth and begin to talk about that? Can we listen to one another? Can we share it without being hurt and angry? Can we be Christians and say we've got to make a difference or otherwise the demonic curriculum is going to take over the kingdom of God, our hearts are going to be seared, and we will lose this battle. I pray this blessed you. I pray it opened your heart. I pray it genders conversation. I pray it causes you to rethink you. And I pray it causes you to say, God, if you can use anything, use me and ask him how to do that and go get involved in bringing the gospel to our generation. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to take communion. Maybe pick up the telephone, call somebody today. Maybe call a friend and say, would you watch this with me? I'd like to get your take on it. I'd like to hear how you're combating. How are you fighting this? How are you making a difference? I'm going to pray for you. At the end of the prayer, maybe God is, you know, pricked your heart. Maybe something jumped out. But I want you to ask this question, God, if there's something in me I need to repent of, forgive me now. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. We're going to end with communion. I pray this blesses you. I pray you have some difficult conversations this week. I pray you're bold in your faith and I pray you move the kingdom forward. Heavenly Father, right now, I ask that you let this word find good ground. I ask that you let it go inside our heart and God, it would do what Hebrews said. It would cut asunder all of our feelings and it would go to the heart of the matter. Father God, right now for our black brothers and sisters that are going through such a trying time in our nation, Lord, I pray for your prevailing power. This demonic attack, this come against the 
races of our nation and cause the division and the hurt and the anger that is being propagated on a daily basis. I pray that curriculum is silenced and I pray that every person that professes to be a believer will stand up and be bold and say, I'm going to take the gospel right into the middle of the warfare. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to become part of the warfare. I'm going to intercede. I'm going to pray. I'm not going to go around the city. I'm not going to go around the problem. I'm going to go right into the middle of the problem and I'm going to have a conversation with the problem. But the conversation I have is going to be a conversation about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God, as we take your communion now, I pray you bring reconciliation in hearts, healing in hearts, and you you incite hope in hearts. And I thank you it's because of Jesus Christ we've been reconciled. It's because of Him we can be one. It's because of Him we're brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus. And I thank you for it. Bless this communion now. Bless our time now. Bless what our ears have heard and our spirit has heard. And let it find good ground. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church podcast. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there's anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week for a brand new message. 